0: Streeter, what is Christmas music? This is the question we will try to answer today. (laughs) (laughs) So, here we are. The Impolite to Listen Christmas special or holiday special <laughs> we already had a I holiday christmas special. special because yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah
1: <laughs> the holiday special is what memorial day yeah i think it was for memorial day it was
0: episode three i think it is yeah. way back then yeah yeah we ended up going on that epic nutcracker tangent and thought the holiday special was just a fitting title
1: yeah so here we are for the christmas special
0: so when it comes to Christmas music, Schreeder, what do you think of?
1: Honestly, I think of a, a one-party state is, is my first thought when I think of Christmas music. Um, I, I don't mind Christmas music per se, but uh, I, I do, um, I'm a bit of a, a grinch about Christmas music during Christmas time. Because it, it has always struck me as odd that a, a, a people, as, as a people who, who are usually so freedom-loving as Americans, it has struck me as odd that um, for a few weeks from the end of November to the beginning of January, for several weeks, it seems like everyone is, is totally willing to be conscripted into, into what feels very much like a one-party state, where everywhere you turn, it is the same colors, the same music, the same iconography... <laughs> And everyone must be merry, so that's that's usually my thoughts about Christmas music around Christmas time. Um, which, which maybe it's fitting that we did the holiday special back in May or whatever, because <laughs> I was in a much better mood about it then. But <laughs> interesting,
0: interesting. Um, but I mean, yeah. let
1: me let me let me let me throw that back to you because I think you probably you probably know a lot more Christmas music than I do um, by virtue of yeah, being um, American. So. So
0: <laughs> you're American too now streeter oh yeah,
1: yeah i, I sometimes forget,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what I kind of think is cool about Christmas music is that it's it's a time of year when people do listen to a lot of jazz and classical, and that probably it you know these same people probably may not throughout the rest of the year, so
1: I think that's interesting i mean so let let, let me let me ask you um yeah. just let's let's get the let's get the basics out of the way um when 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 I say think of christmas music like is there is there a particular song or like an album that comes to mind? yeah,
0: it's funny. my first thought when I think of christmas Christmas music is the soundtrack to home alone
1: oh interesting <laughs> yeah. choice.
0: that's the first thing I think of when I think of Christmas music, and um yeah, there's a lot of interesting things about the home alone soundtrack uh but also yeah, it's also a movie I grew up with, so there's definitely that.
1: Who composed it? Oh,
0: that sure. was by John Williams. So. Oh,
1: okay. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that. For some reason, I thought Vince Guaraldi did that.
0: You would think, yeah. So it's interesting. The Home Alone soundtrack is pretty curious. Um, when you look at the works of John Williams, it's really out of place, right? Especially, I, they were making that movie in the late 80s. I think it came out in 1990. So, with if you go back to that time period, this is after John Williams did the Indiana Jones trilogy, E.T., uh, you know, Star Wars, of course, all the Star Wars films back then. So, all these giant blockbusters, but then there's this Funny little comedy family holiday film directed by Chris Columbus. That somehow they're <laughs> able to get John Williams to, to score it. It's just remarkable. There there's an interview with Chris Columbus where he talks about making up home alone and apparently they had they thought they had no shot at getting John Williams to score it, but they just sent him the script, he read it and he really loved it, and he agreed to do it and that's it.
1: <laughs> that's pretty hilarious.
0: let's go so all right christmas music is such a such a broad term broad blanket it's so we have to kind of maybe rewind the clock a little bit which is to say at one point pretty much all not all classical music but just all music was religious the point of music was to get you through a catholic mass
1: (laughs) right or what was considered proper music was. I mean, there there was always sort of secular, yeah, um, Street instrumental music. music but yeah. yeah, but yeah, I think it's fair to say that that capital M music was largely um, religious music,
0: especially when you look back to the Baroque period. There are so many composers that wrote Christmas stuff, like Bach's Christmas Oratorio, you
1: know, Handel's Messiah. <laughs> it just with Bach's. Christmas Oratorio. That that is um, that's an interesting that's an interesting one, especially with the sort of sacred secular dynamic, because right. um, it's 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 largely reused music. know it's music that that it's a good example of it's a good example of of um of this sort of capital m music being religious thing because it's a it's a it's a a parody essentially in in the technical sense um and that all of the movements within the oratorio are it's music that bach had previously written in secular contexts um Mm -hmm. for for the courts or for whatever um for for royalty but um he he repurposed this music to be to be sacred, um, so you know there's nothing there's nothing inherently sacred or secular about music. I don't think, as evidenced by the fact that Bach could just sort of recycle it, and um, and put it together and call it a Christmas oratorio, and that's just what it is now. Um, but there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing inherently Christmas about any any single aspect of the music. Right. You know? Right. Um, no, and exactly. And that's like exactly. that's that's a grand tradition. You know, there's nothing specifically Christmassy about the Messiah. There's, there's certainly nothing uh, specifically Christmassy about um, the Nutcracker. Right. You know. Um, so. So. You know, the the, the, the siren call is is there, but um, <laughs> that's a fitting analogy for for Christmas, which is really just a it's it's really just a secular pagan holiday that we've yeah. you know if we put a bow tie on and and we call it christmas we say it's the church of jesus christ uh, sorry the the birth of jesus christ but it's not really that at all no one knows obviously when and if jesus was ever born <laughs> and um and it's really just a repurposing of a pagan holiday to make it convenient to to spread uh the the religion into areas where it has it had not been previously you know that's why we see the the evergreen trees being a symbol of it too so so yeah i I think christmas has a long tradition of being really not really anything about christmas itself it's really just a secular thing that um, it's a holiday that is much needed in the middle of a long cold season Um, and with it you know comes music accompanying etc etc and um, people people just People just put a bow on it and, and call it Christmas music, but there's really nothing inherently Christmassy about it.
0: You know what? Okay, fuck it. I meant to, like, delay this, but we might as well just go into it. All right, well. Um, <laughs> so the Nutcracker. Okay.
1: So here we are again, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the Nutcracker shooter. All right, let's do it. It, it really felt like a, when I when I even just mentioned the Nutcracker, it really felt like I opened with a Queen's Gambit and, and you accepted <laughs>
0: I accepted the Queen's Gambit, yeah. I don't play Queen's Gambit declined. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Nerdy chess jokes right there. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, it's Christmas season, and it's it's Nutcracker season, is, is what it really is. It's...
1: Yeah, for for musicians it's it's nutcracker season.
0: Yeah, yeah. So ah, uh, I mean, have you listened to the Nutcracker yet this year, Sweeter?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Good. A few times already. Um, yeah,
0: so I mean so this is building off our episode where we did talk a lot about the Nutcracker way back in episode three, but it really is a miraculous piece of art, you know. Um Yeah, so I I guess now it's it's the year of virtual nutcrackers.
1: That sounds wrong, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: um, yeah, so it's funny. When you look, so if you want to make something sound Christmassy, the go-to thing to do is to just copy the Nutcracker. Sure. Right? That's what, that's what John Williams did uh, for part of the soundtrack for Home Alone. Uh, when they're running late to get to the airport. It's all frantic and crazy, and they're running out the door. But that is definitely inspired by the Russian dance, Treepok, from The Nutcracker. So if you want to make something sound Christmassy, you just draw inspiration from the Nutcracker. And it's kind of funny, like the story of Nutcrackers, it was when GIs were returning from Germany, because Nutcracker, a traditional Nutcracker like device, is made from wood, I think from the Black Forest in southern Germany. Hmm. So because of that, when GIs were coming home from Germany, they brought Nutcrackers as, as gifts. And it was around that time the first Nutcracker performance premiered in the United States, in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, I believe it was the 40s for that. So it's just kind of funny. And that's also the same era when most of the Christmas classics, as we now know them, were written, right? White Christmas, uh, Have a Holly Jolly Christmas, all the Dean Martin stuff, Let It Snow, all these famous recordings, performances, anything you listen to on the Spotify Christmas Essentials album, most of that stuff was written in the 40s or 50s. And. I think Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You is something like the only top 10 Christmas hit written after like the 50s, and it was written in the early 90s.
1: Well, what's, what's funny about that, um, just a quick side note, is is that it seems like um, that, that, that Mariah Carey thing, I mean, that's private island money right there, right?
2: I don't want a lot for Christmas <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That, that,
1: so, and and you really only need to do that once. So it's funny that um, that the you know the sort of top pop artists or whatever. It seems like every year they they have another go at the sort of Christmas music lottery ticket. It seems like <laughs> Mariah Carey is the only one that has really truly cashed it cashed out on it so far. Sure. But word. but there's no there's not much harm in trying because it's it's you know let's face it low effort music. Um, <laughs> But if you if you win, you know that's like I said, that's private island money. So it's it's interesting to see the sort of Mariah Carey effect. That you're right that there aren't actually that many Christmas hits that are written um, post that era. Um, but everyone's yeah. trying because you only need to do it once. So, but even Mariah Carey with
0: "All I Want for Christmas Is You," she even took inspiration back from the '40s and '50s from the classic "Christmas Baby Please Come Home." with uh, specifically with the uh, sort of transitional music, transitional music material that kind of sets up the main chorus. So for example, here's Mariah Carey
2: you, yeah.
0: And then here's the clip from Christmas Baby, Please come home. and it's very much it's a right hand sort of triplet figure rapidly in the right hand of the piano that kind of sets up the main chorus. so so there's that and to your point that everyone's trying to cash in on the Christmas lottery ticket yeah I mean even the Beatles aren't exempt from it because I mean I I think John Lennon's is really good I mean Merry Christmas uh, right War's Over
2: So this is Christmas And what have you done
0: yeah, yeah, I think his is phenomenal. Paul McCartney's, I think, is garbage. <laughs> I
1: will say, I will say, on the whole, um, I think Paul McCartney is a more well-rounded musician than John Lennon, but on the whole, John seems to have fared better without Paul than the other way around. Sure, sure. I um,
0: mean, Paul McCartney did write an epic James Bond theme song in Live and Let Die. True. Yeah. Could you imagine a John Lennon Bond theme song? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Goldfinger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine the sort of drawl. But. Yeah. So to so to yeah. go back, if I if I may say yeah. a, a quick word about the Nutcracker here, it's it's one of the it's one of the sort of great you know musical historical ironies that that it has become the sort of icon of Christmas and also the icon of ballet that it is that it has become because again there's nothing there's nothing inherently Christmassy about it right it's the the, the story is by E.T.A. Hoffman,
0: What's it? The Nutcracker and the Mouse King is that the full name? I
1: think? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was turned into also a novel by by um, by Alexandre Dumas, um, mm-hmm. and then you know from there, I think Tchaikovsky adapted it from from Dumas, and it it just happens to be set during Christmas time because the the conceit is that Drosselmeyer has to give the toy you know Nutcracker as a gift. And we give gifts mm. during Christmas, so that's when that's it takes place during Christmas. But there's nothing inherently Christmassy about it. And on top of that, there's, there's, there's in a way it's not very balletic, right? And, and when the Nutcracker yeah. opened, I think it it got um, it got it got panned in some in some circles, especially by people who, um, who really cared about ballet. I think um, was, was Nutcracker released after Sleeping Beauty? It, it was his
0: last think, one. It was his last ballet he wrote. Yeah. Okay,
1: so yeah. yeah. so it was certainly panned on that front by, by people by people who, who thought that it was not very balletic, because um, for one thing, the the female dancer doesn't have much to do mm-hmm. um, to, throughout the ballet. That's peculiar. Um, and also the, the there's not really a plot. there's not really an overarching plot. It's more like a series of pantomimes.
0: Yeah, ballet. I mean, wait. Um, what? What? What do you mean? The female dancer does have much to do because there's a lot. And I mean, the snow scene. There's the Sugar Plum Fairy, the Arabian the, dance. Lots of the flowers. Like, like those are all female-led scenes.
1: Yeah, but if you think about the if you think about the the structure of of what would be a more traditional ballet, um, th- there's more of a there's more of a sort oh, of continual. There's more of a continual plot. There's more of a continual presence. Whereas There's like a main character. Yeah. yeah that's, exactly. That's the uh, I, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. But okay, yeah, in this it's like a series of pantomimes and it happens that the way that the ballet company is, they they have um, they have dancers playing multiple roles. But it's not really right, right. it's not really the same thing.
0: You're right, how it's not there's not like one character like like in, you know, Romeo and Juliet. Or Sleeping Beauty. Well, I guess. Yeah, I guess those are obvious ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Bad but choice. Either of those. Right, right. So, right, or but yeah, or like Swan Lake, honestly, right? Right, there's, right. There's like a main character you're following throughout the whole thing.
1: Yeah, so instead it's a series of of pantomimes essentially, which is not mm-hmm. not super traditional in the in the ballet um world. So, yeah, I do I do think it is it is a I not I don't remember what the larger point was but but I do think there's an, there's a sort of interesting irony with the nutcracker where something that isn't inherently christmasy has become this you know icon of christmas time and something that isn't yeah, super right. balletic has become almost like the <laughs> the the sort of stereotypical ballet like when most people think of ballet they think immediately of the nutcracker and it's actually not a very right. balletic piece at all
0: Yeah I mean and in- it's also the most important ballet financially i mean most ballet companies i mean even even the big ones make about roughly half of their annual revenue just from nutcracker performances i mean we talked a bit about it last time but yeah it's popular it's played a lot and when i say a lot i mean a lot a lot <laughs> but it's also really good <laughs> right yeah i mean we talked a bit about the musical innovations in previous episodes from from the nutcracker But, you know, think of Tchaikovsky, but kind of towards the end of his career, right? Because The Nutcracker was the last ballet he wrote. This was, what, 1890s, I think it premiered. And it's funny to put it in the historical context, right? He wrote The Nutcracker after visiting the World's Fair. And, yeah, the World's Fair in Paris in the late 1880s. And it's funny, so many World's fair World's fair (laughs) World's World's Fair-related things are present in the nutcracker so of course we talked about the celeste with the dance of the sugar plum fairy he heard that he encountered that first at the world's fair and such also all the very international eastern dare i say or like non-western sounding all the non-western musical ideas he encountered at the world's fair like music from North Africa, music from Morocco, music from the Middle East, music from Asia. That was all there and present, right, at the World's Fair. And so when he heard that, yeah, the second half of the Nutcracker, the second act of the Nutcracker, that's front and center, right? There's the Arabian dance, there's the dance of the reeds, there's Asian-sounding music, Middle Eastern-sounding music. Not really typical for a Russian ballet. Right. Or any any European ballet for that. That's where he kind of got a lot of those a lot of those ideas. And sure enough when Clara's like seeing all the different little worlds of music in Act Two, it kinda of sounds like you're walking around the World's Fair. Debussy was also at that same World's Fair. That's where he got a lot of his idea for Pagode, or or Pagodas, if you want to say it in English. Yeah. A, a lot of his more Eastern-sounding works, when he was playing with pentatonic scales and all these scales that are not classically European in his piano works, yeah, he was at that same World's Fair where he got all those ideas and... also the same World's Fair where the Eiffel Tower was unveiled so
1: (laughs) that's that's one of my favorite facts about that one but yeah I I mean and and there's something interesting about about the way you frame that and the way that in the ballet you know Clara is being sort of shipped to the Kingdom of Sweets and shown around but Mm -hmm. it's really just the world you know um, yeah, that's the yeah. that's that's the sort of um, that's the sort of reality that is being um, sort of stylized for the sake of the ballet.
0: It's also just worth stating, yeah, how how hard the music is, <laughs> especially the part in act one. So basically from when from when Clara falls asleep and starts dreaming. So from there until the end of act one, that's up there with some of the hardest music you'll ever play in an orchestra. <laughs>
1: right (laughs) for sure it's it's one of those funny things where you know once you've been in the pit for it 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 it, you can't you can't really hear the music the same way again that that's almost it that Mm -hmm. that is a that is a truism but i think with with nutcracker more than other pieces it is it is bizarre it's a bizarre feeling because you know for example i'll be at a a bookstore or something and, and they'll just mm-hmm. be you know around this time of year they'll just be knockcracker playing in the back and there's just this this feeling of the sort of this bizarre world where everyone is listening to this music as as it's you know like pretty holiday music um but <laughs> uh, you know you sort of have this sort of low-key uh ptsd from being in the pit um if, if you've done it yeah. enough times you know you Yeah, like even if it's just something like the waltz of the flowers playing in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll just be like perusing whatever store I'm in and the waltz of the flowers is playing in the back. And I'll be like, you know, that timing is, you know, they got that timing and, you know, they got that on point because that's actually really difficult. You know, I can't, I can't like <laughs> focus on, yeah, right. I can't just focus on doing the thing.
0: It's funny if you play in the orchestra for the Nutcracker. Um, I mean, to your point when you, when you were saying, it's not like your typical ballet. There's no, there's not much ballet for the first forty-five minutes. Right. Actually, right. it's just it's just the party scene, hanging out. La di da da. I mean, the children are dancing and stuff, but 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 it's funny through. Uh, I guess the snow scene towards the end of Act One. That's the first real ballet ballet scene but it's funny at the end of act 1 like the dancers are getting warmed up still and the orchestra is just exhausted <laughs> cuz they just like finished playing some really hard exhausting music that for example um you know if listeners are curious for a concrete example what one of the i mean one of the best parts of the nutcracker one of the greatest parts of all of music is basically that it's a several minute long crescendo that that sort of begins when the tree starts rising. It, it depends on which production and such, but and building and building and gets higher and louder. think it finally ends and when the nutcracker soldiers arrive and things but anyway that like five minutes is just when, when you're playing it you really have to pace yourself because if you peak too early or get too exhausted too soon you just don't have anything left in the tank and you're just you just won't make it out alive <laughs>
1: yeah and if you're a trumpet player you still have you know act two to look forward to for for, the, <laughs> for the right. trumpet solo and etc
0: yeah 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 for the what's that? That's the Spanish dance. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I don't know if we if we talked about this. I don't know if we talked about this last time, but um, what do you, do you have a preference in Nutcracker recordings between between oh, yeah. orchestras that um, are playing, for lack of a better word, um, balletically or people or orchestras who are not like, you know, you, you, know, you know what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. some, some recordings like the Berlin Philharmonic recording, the tempos are just um, abnormally quick because, yeah. yeah, they're at a tempos that, that no dancer could reasonably dance to these tempi. Um, but the mm-hmm. orchestra just plays it like that because they can. Um, yeah. And other ones, like you know, oftentimes if if some someone like the Marinsky Orchestra, you know, if they're recording the Nutcracker, they will stay true to the to the tempi that you will take, um, even in a performance of it with the ballet. So I don't know. If, uh, right. Do, do you have a? That's a really great those? question.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, if we can just take it one step higher it's interesting one of the blessings or curious parts of nutcracker just being so universal around the world nowadays like all across all across the world these days is that everybody i mean at least the big companies the major folks they all kind of put their own flavor on it which i think is pretty cool uh here in san francisco the san francisco ballet when they do it, it's kind of San Francisco-themed. Like, the opening, when you see, like, Jocelyn Meyer, uh, if he's, like, making the Nutcracker or, or something, he... it's Like, the background is very, like, San Francisco... <laughs> not skyline, but the very San Francisco kind of houses that are in a row <laughs> and all kind of built very uniform. And uh, during, like, the Waltz of the Flower scenes, the set almost looks like... The background almost looks like the Bay of San Francisco and stuff with uh, with the Palace of Fine Arts, which is a building here in town where San Francisco held the World's Fair at one point so it's funny and then and then if you look at um there's a great performance on YouTube of it's the Dutch national ballet it's it's a great it's a great performance it's really good but it's just so cute because the opening when they're kind of walking outside in the snow it's it looks like there's Dutch houses behind them in the set and the canals of Amsterdam are kind of painted back there so it looks like it's set uh, in the Netherlands and but one of the plus sides, I guess, for something being so ubiquitous is that you really get a chance to throw your, your own flavor on it and people notice it.
1: And because it so. has this place in it has this place in in our culture um that it really benefits from sort of being vernacularized. That's I just made that word up. <laughs> but you know I, I didn't know that was
0: a verb, but I guess yeah, it is now. It is now.
1: You know, yeah. it has this place in our culture where it is a thing that families it's like a tradition that families you know often have to go see the nutcracker especially with their yeah, kids right. and um it it's it, it holds a place in in the sort of culture of the world of the larger world that um classical music rarely has so certainly mm-hmm. certainly ballet yeah. you know doesn't really sure. have this kind of a role in in lives so more than most it it really benefits from from Exactly what you're saying. From from sort of um, the the interpretations that that ballet companies um, put on uh, are are very, I guess, parochial, and I, I mean that in a good way, not not in a bad way, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it's it's curious, right? And there's two main versions of the ballet, too, right? There's the Clara version and the Marie version. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Sh- those may be the official names of them, but I mean that's the main difference. The I main Clara, main character is either Clara or Marie, and the difference being, I mean, I think the Clara one is what in America we're more familiar with, but in the Marie version, there's there's what there's a pretty major violin solo towards the end an- end of Act One, right, right in the pit, and it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful solo. And then also in Act 2, it's a bit different, right? It almost starts with the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. And yeah, then I, they make their I, way to the Kingdom
1: of Sweets. Yeah. I could be wrong. So if, if there are any ballet dancers listening, um, don't <laughs> be too mad. But I believe in the Marie version, um, Clara goes to the Kingdom of Sweets and then the, the Sugar Plum Fairy dance and the Tarantelle that happen, um, they happen up, Near the top of the second act, almost as if it were the as if they were the leaders of the court, and then you know they open up with their dances, and then they say, "And now we present to you um, the various you know the the kingdoms of the sweets or whatever you know blah 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 blah." Right, and, and that's happens. where you yeah, and then in yeah, the that's Clara, where hop
0: around the world like we were saying yeah.
1: yeah right, and then in the Clara version you go straight into the the actual you know the Spanish dance and the trepak and et cetera et cetera, and then you end with yeah. um, the Dance as a sugar plum fairy, the tarantelle, and then that goes into the coda and the apotheosis and all that stuff. Oh, and the Waltz of the Flowers thrown in there, yeah. But so I think that's the main difference. Again, I, you know, <laughs> there's probably more. But. <laughs> I, I I'm just, I'm just a humble musician. I just play what's in front of me. So. You know, yeah. I, just, yeah. I just follow the cuts that's on my score. So if, if a yeah. if ballet dancer is listening, who knows more about it, you know, don't be too mad. You
0: just need to know the curtain time, right? right. Yeah. yeah, I just need to know what we're doing, yeah. Yeah, so so there's that. And so most ballet companies in the U.S. do the Clara version, except New York City Ballet. They do the Marie version. And then, <laughs> what's so funny?
1: I'm just thinking about the the movie version of the New York Ballet. With um with with Mr. Home Alone. <laughs> with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it is pretty weird. Um the recording from that though, and we will get to the point where we talk about our favorite Nutcracker recordings, but the recording from that's really phenomenal. The New York City Ballet, I think, conducted by David Zinman. Right. They they uh yeah, they sound phenomenal. Anyway, um but anyway, the New York City Ballet, yeah, they did the reversion. Then in Europe, I think a lot of German companies, maybe most German companies, do the Marie version. But I know the British companies, like the Royal Ballet, um, they do the Clara version. So it it kind of depends and such. But yeah, um,
1: I, this I don't know about. I don't know where the the Marinsky Theater and other and other Russian theaters oh, fall yeah. on the on the Clara Marie dispute, but. There's a wonderful performance <laughs> of the Nutcracker um, the, a, a wonderful production of the Nutcracker done by the Marinsky Theater on, on YouTube that we'll link to in the show notes cuz I, I, I oh, really awesome. like I really like the way they play it and the production is really interesting but um it's a it's a really interesting one where where the Podotios de are not are not Podotios de they 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 have the oh. whole production in on on both the the um the pas de deux between the snow king and queen in the first act and um mm-hmm. and the actual the, the grand pas de in the second act it's you know they have like yeah. the entire not the entire cast on it but you know it's a whole production right. and i was wondering if you knew anything about that <laughs> <laughs> do you, do old josselmeyer have... there just <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he wants in <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah
0: uh, no i and do you know what's going I'm on i have right? to check that out i always wondered i actually don't hmm. i actually don't know what what's going on um i i kind of like the sound of it though um yeah it's interesting yeah Minsky Theater, that's the one in St. Petersburg, right? I think so.
1: Should we check? Okay, because then... We don't want to get disappointed. I always get...
0: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs>
2: a yeah, white man shows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: your, your tea starts to take on a distinctively chemical taste. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Wait, what's the other one I'm thinking of in Russia? There's the Marinsky, and then there's... um,
1: Oh, the Bolshoi. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I think I think I'm pretty sure Marinsky's in St. Petersburg.
0: Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No. Um. And is that one? That's probably conducted by Valery Gergiev. That one, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. 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 Awesome. No, I mean, you asked favorite Nutcracker recordings. Um. There's a lot of really good ones. So I already said the New York City Ballet recording from the quasi movie version. I mean, it was film. It was a filmed version of. Of a '90s production of the Nutcracker with Macaulay Culkin playing the little prince boy. So there's that. But the the orchestra sounds phenomenal. There is there's a really great, um, pretty standard recording that is often even used in rehearsals of the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. It was either from the '90s or maybe the '80s. So there's that one. There's a good one of um, of uh, who's conducting the London Symphony Orchestra. Who's one of the people that always conduct? Um, would it be Andre Previn?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's him. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, then, then I know what you're talking about. That's a good recording.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. So that one, there's a recent one of the Royal Concertgebouw. I mean, relatively recent in like the past 10 years. With I'm pretty sure it's Marius Janssen's conducting that. Um, I love the Berlin one. Uh, it came out 10 years ago with with Sir Simon Rattle. And yeah, I, I'm naming a lot, but <laughs> there's there's some really good ones. And it's so, one of those things. Yeah. If I could just say this. Most people have probably only listened when, when you listen to the Nutcracker. Most people have only probably listened to the Nutcracker Suite, which is just kind of like the highlights, right. like the. And again, I think as you pointed out, it's mostly the songs. It's it's mostly the music from Act Two: "Waltz of mm-hmm. the Flowers," "Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy." Um, yeah, the Spanish dance. Yeah, Trey Park, the dance of the reeds, which is phenomenal music. I mean, that's some of the best, most innovative music ever written, uh, and that's a you know that's a whole subject to dive into. But the music from Act One is phenomenal, and some people, I know you, say it's even better. Right, you know, and I might even say that as well. I mean, the music from Act One is so great, so great. Again, the scene with the tree, the scene, the the snow scene. All that stuff is really phenomenal. And yeah, so when most people have listened to the Nutcracker, it's probably just the suite. But nowadays with streaming and stuff, there's so many recordings. It was harder to fit all this in the CD back in the days. But now with streaming, there's so many recordings of the entire Nutcracker from start to finish. And I encourage people to go listen to it all the way through. Um, or, you know, listen to, total is probably two hours maybe. But listen to act one, have a break, and listen to act two. You know, it's it's always there for you.
1: Yeah, I mean it's even faster if you listen to a recording um, that it disregards the kind of tempos that you would take <laughs> if someone actually had to dance. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Those those can really zip by. Like the the Berlin Philharmonic one maybe clocks in under an hour and a half. I could be wrong. Okay, about that's, that, that's but impressive. They really, yeah, they really uh, cook some some of the numbers. It's really cooking. Inter- um,
0: interesting, interesting. That,
1: that kind of that kind of you know goes to to. One of my one of my sort of questions that that I hope isn't isn't too much in the in the direction of sophistry, but um, when you look at something like the Nutcracker, that like you said, when most people think about it, they're thinking about the Nutcracker Suite, and certainly when when they're thinking about it in the context of Christmas music, they're they're one hundred percent they're thinking of the Nutcracker Suite, right? Yeah. Um, So how how much do you think the nutcracker is actually christmas music is it actually christmas music because i would argue that if you just if you just put up you know side by side the parts of the nutcracker that people would hardly recognize let alone associate with christmas versus the parts of the nutcracker that people do recognize and associate with christmas it's uh, i think probably the majority of the nutcracker is is, is unknown and Mm. you know not really on the on most people's radar as as sort of christmas music you know the the nutcracker that you hear when you go to you know i don't know target or something i almost said costco but yeah. i'm not actually sure if they play the nutcracker at <laughs> <or> costco <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um wow yeah i don't think they play music in costcos i don't know everything is changing in retail these days so who knows anything's possible yeah but, but but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So so your question is how Christmassy really is the Nutcracker? Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's funny. It's a question you can ask a lot of, about a lot of standard Christmas music, right? So there's some Christmas songs that are there are a lot of Christmas standards, a lot of Christmas classics that have nothing to do with Christmas and weren't even written for Christmas. Those include Jingle Bells, right? There's nothing Christmas about that song, and sleighs were a legit form of transportation.
1: You know, <laughs> for, <laughs> Yeah, I love how you had to clarify that. Yeah, yeah um,
0: like yo, there's snow everywhere. What's the best way to get across Salzburg in 1750? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, we have a horse. Yeah, you know, let's attach a sleigh. So yeah, I mean, Jingle Bells, um, songs like Green Sleeves. I mean. Hmm. songs like uh my favorite things which is just from the sound of music but it's now a christmas song because it's about brown paper packages tied up with string so hmm. it's, t- it's about gifts so so there's that so almost in the same way the nutcracker became about christmas it all revolves around a gift being given right right so yeah yeah so so i know it's not like quite answering your question so i guess nutcracker at its fundamental like in its in its source code, <laughs> if I'm not looking at it that way, there's not much that's Christmas about it, if anything. But I mean, Christmas itself is also just a social construct, and Nutcracker, Nutcracker slots slots right in.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to sort to sort of tie tie it in to to the Christmas oratorio that we were talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a lot of the same phenomenon. It's it's extremely Christmassy on the on the sort of surface of it and the and the the gift wrapping is Christmassy, you know there's a nutcracker there's yeah, a big christmas tree right, right. it's <laughs> set in christmas but but um yo dude that's
0: a really good yeah the only thing that's that makes the christmas present is the gift wrap <laughs> exactly oh um, whew, mind blown
1: yeah <laughs> that's what we do here but, <laughs> yeah um yeah you know w- w- when i think of something so, like a, a a flip side would be, you know, what actually is Christmasy, right? If if something, okay. if I'm making this crazy argument, where where the Nutcracker is actually not, in its core, super Christmasy, or something like Bach's Christmas Oratorio, <laughs> is at its core not super Christmasy because it's it's all secular music or previously secular music that has been gift wrapped in a in a Christmasy way, um, you know, now now I I do think something like like um, like Handel's Messiah, you know, that is that is really Christmassy, you know. Um, Home Alone actually really is. It's about, it's, yeah. about fa- it's not just taking place on Christmas. It's actually about, you know, family and, all, all, you know, all that, all that bogus stuff that I, I don't really care about. But. Yeah. Um, Streeter, <laughs> what is Christmas music?
0: This is the question we will try to answer today. All right,
1: without any research over under, uh, what are the odds that, um, that Leonard Bernstein has a, has a Young People's Concert? called What is Christmas Music?
0: It seems like something he would do. Yeah. Yeah. The question we're trying to answer that we've kind of stumbled into is what is Christmas music? What makes something sound Christmassy? And there's a there's a funny like meme on the internet where you just add sleigh bells to any song. It automatically it automatically sounds like Christmas <laughs> music. And and it's funny how it kind of works better than you would expect. Just like the triggers in your mind automatically start recalling christmas flavors and stuff we right, start hearing right. the sleigh bells and in you know a, a beetle song or something so we've been trying to ask and answer this question what is christmas music what makes something sound like christmas music a great place to go would be somewhere where they've actually asked this question and have had to answer it and that is film music right hmm,
1: that's a really good point
0: so you look at the great classic Christmas movies, right? Um, Especially the ones that maybe have come out in the past few decades because as we've kind of already touched upon, like White Christmas, that was being written when all the great Christmas classics were being written. And when Christmas was kind of becoming what it is today, right? It was post-war, suburban America was growing, Christmas tree lots became a thing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Christmas before, like the World Wars, was very different and not quite what we think of Christmas as today, like the gift-giving tradition. It was when GIs were coming home from Germany and Europe, but when GIs were coming home from Germany, let's say, and giving gifts to their family, a lot of them were nutcrackers, a traditional uh, Bavarian-German gadget. I mean, this is when all the lines started to intersect for what became Christmas. If we look at Christmas films that came out in the last 30 years, let's say, they've had the challenge of trying to sound Christmassy, Right, And what a lot of them do is they reference music from the 40s and 50s, like Jingle Bell Rock, Right, when all, these, all the Christmas classics were being written. And if you look at a score like Home Alone, John Williams knew this better than anyone. Because what he does in Home Alone is really different than he's done. It's very different than he had done in any film before that or any film after that. There's something that's incredibly different about the music of Home Alone. Then there's the E.T. or Catch Me If You Can or Munich or Star Wars or Jurassic Park. Is there no brass?
1: No, there's there's, brass.
0: there's there's definitely brass.
1: I don't know. I can't think of it.
0: So if you listen to the music to Home Alone, if you listen to the soundtrack right now, a lot of, if not most of the music, is not by John Williams. Right, he uses a lot of classic Christmas songs, right, like White Christmas by the Drifters.
2: <laughs> you're right. You're right. Dreaming of a white Christmas.
1: Yeah, cuz he and usually composes the entire the entire freaking thing. thing.
0: Yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. No, he he uses pop Christmas songs from again, the 40s and 50s. Jingle Bell Rock, uh White Christmas, as I said. Um a bunch of others, I'm not. Uh, have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, I think the Dean Martin version. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the, at the original music John Williams did write, it still sounds very Christmassy In a sense, become Christmassy. But even at the time, I'm sure when the movie premiered in, I think, 1990, I'm sure it so- sounded Christmassy at the time. So you have to look at why that is, right? Like a good example, I think, is the song he wrote. Um, well, I mean, the most famous song from that is uh, Somewhere in My Memory, I think it's the only song or one of the only songs John Williams wrote that's been nominated for a Grammy. <laughs> really? Uh, which is, that's yeah, weird. yeah. I mean, he gets nominated for best score and like all those awards, but like best song sure, of the year. Sure. Yeah. That has become Christmas music. So as um, the piece he wrote for Home Alone, Star of Bethlehem. It's, when I heard that, I thought that was some original old Christmas carol. Because it sounds very Gregorian or very Bachian, almost like a chorale. But John Williams wrote it for Home Alone, yeah. so John Williams had to ask this question, had to answer it for the movie. and and so, to make something sound Christmassy, yeah, you make it sound like the Nutcracker, or you make it sound like the jazzy, pop-inspired songs of Dean Martin and Bing Crosby of the 40s.
1: I think everyone knows what is the sound of Christmas music, if, even, if, even if it's <laughs> it's much harder to... It's, it's, like, it's like so many things that are, that are actually really hard to categorize in any meaningful way, like, like life, you yeah. know? Not like the specific thing of life as in life as a, as opposed to um, you know like an inanimate object like, right. what I, what is the scientific definition of life it's surprisingly hard to to give one without excluding something else, but on the other hand, everyone knows it when they look right. at it so um, I think I think right. a similar effect is happening here but um, in, in terms of in terms of um, how our perceptions of of what is Christmassy is is just really a mountain of of um, references. It's, it's really just a mountain of things that we're referencing, <laughs> you know, back into our into our into our shared um, culture. Um, another example of the, of this is is sort of you know what does what does Christmas look like? What what does Christmas time look like? You know, and and the mm. most um, the most cliche thing is is the is a white christmas um which is actually fairly rare obviously in most parts of the world fairly rare <laughs> and it wouldn't be such a cultural um touchstone if it weren't for um charles Dickens. uh i, f- I forget mm. i forget the the decade that he was he was he in which he was born but um it, it doesn't it doesn't snow very often um in 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 england around around christmas time um, right, and certainly right. not enough to to be like a white Christmas. But I think in the first decade of Charles Dickens's life, um, there was some weird an- anomaly where I think six or seven of the years were were white Christmases, and, and that's that's a total oh, st- that's a total statistical anomaly. But that's just how Dickens grew up, and, and so you know it, it became the sort of Dickensian thing to include white uh, in, to include the sort of white Christmas. Um, and that, in it, in turn, through a complete accident of weather, has, has seeped into, into our cultural sort of, you know, understanding of, of what does Christmas look like. And I, I think, again, a, a similar thing is happening with the music, where we have these things that have become icons of Christmas music by an right. accident of fate, And <laughs> and now when you're trying to answer the question, what is Christmas music, you just refer to that thing, because... That's just it. It, does, it doesn't go any deeper than that. There's no real inherent reason why it's Christmassy. It's just we're referencing this other thing that we all know why that's Christmassy, because it's Christmassy. But then you ask, why is that one Christmassy? And there's no real reason. It just happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a reference to Christmas is also like a reference to fantasy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think a really interesting musical example for that would be the, the soundtrack f- and the score for the movie The Santa Claus, another great early 90s Christmas classic. Well, what I love about the score is it's it's been heavily inspired and influenced by Mendelssohn's uh, music to the ballet and Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm. Yeah, there are some parts that are strikingly similar and really funny. Felix Mendelssohn, uh, you know, great early Romantic German composer who uh, honestly one of the more underrated composers I think. Like oh, yeah. everyone, in, everyone in, in the musical world knows him and adores him, but the name recognition isn't quite up with mozart or beethoven but one of the finest composers ever Mm -hmm. and uh also a true prodigy right he was like he was a piano prodigy from like a really young age and things and and jewish anyway so and and a german jew yeah
1: so he was a german jew before it was uh let's say uncool (laughs) (laughs) even for christmas (laughs)
0: Here's a clip from Mendelssohn's Overture to the Ballet a *Midsummer Night's Dream*. <laughs> and here's a clip from *The Santa Claus*. <laughs> It's funny um that they chose that they decided to not reference the Nutcracker, but to reference a different ballet. But also a ballet kind of about a fantasy and going through a dream and stuff and stuff. So
1: I think that, that maybe that maybe hits on or it, it at the very least it stumbles around something in the music that, that maybe I would posit is inherently Christmassy. You know, mm-hmm. which is maybe for lack of a better word, the sort of uh, champagne feeling that some music has, like the pop, the the bubbly feeling, yeah. or the maybe the the sprightly feeling, the, the sort of um, the kind of music that is evocative of of fairies and um, you hmm. know, puckish characters, um, and and champagne bubbles and and parties and stuff like that. Um, yeah. That is, if if. If I were to think of anything that is sort of inherently um, Christmas music, in the in the notes, you know, like what we we're talking about with the what is American music, um, right? You know, it, it's not American because of the composer, et cetera. It's American because of the actual notes. So it's a lot harder to do, to do that with Christmas music. But the the contender that that comes to the top of my mind is is that it's it's music that sounds fairy-ish, fantastical, puckish, sprightly, you know, bubbly champagne comes to mind i don't know I don't, I don't know if you
0: so it's funny you say that right because there's two kind of aesthetics you're trying to capture right now the bubbly champagne aesthetic and then the dreamy fairy tale aesthetic mm-hmm. aka acts one and Act two of the nutcracker <laughs>
2: you're right
1: actually <laughs> yeah. no you're right yeah. i didn't think about that that's exactly it yeah so
0: act one is the party who are all, you know like all the adults sipping their champagne at the fireplace and christmas tree and act two is the dreamscape <laughs> so <laughs> so maybe it does all come back to the nutcracker i don't know
1: <laughs> maybe yeah maybe 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 tchaikovsky just invented christmas music and and that's just it <laughs>
0: You are familiar with maybe the Vince Graldi Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, which I think is also one of the best jazz albums ever. Like, forget Christmas albums, just jazz albums in general. And I would,
1: and I would second that.
0: It, it, yeah, it is brilliant. That right there, I think, is the essence of what pop Christmas music is. Because if you look at a song, say like "White Christmas" or any any of those, or "O Tannenbaum," the "O Christmas Tree" um, song that that album starts out with, it's jazz in such a jazzy sense. Like, if you look at the harmony, if you look at the chords, it's jazz any way you cut it right it's it's a c7 flat 9 chord then a 251 in the relative minor i mean just straight out of the jazz playbook that if you didn't know any better you would think is a song by duke ellington or by charlie parker or or by dizzy Gillespie mm-hmm. it's yeah it's just pure jazz and again we keep coming back to this but when christmas was becoming christmas it was again it, it was in the 40s more or less or around there, so that's when jazz was the thing. So, so even when you hear Tony Bennett, if he recently came out with the Christmas album, all these standards he's singing are really—I mean, we call them the Christmas standards, but in a way, they're really jazz standards. They're they were pop songs written at a time when pop music was jazz.
1: Hmm. I, I suppose it's the, the 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 treatment of it. You know when. Hmm, okay. When I when I listen to um the, the Garaldi sound soundtrack to, yeah, to exactly. Charlie Brown Christmas, um I don't feel the I don't feel the sort of um you know be merry or else, you know, because it's it's non existent. Yeah. Um Right, right. I, I don't know I don't know what, what change happens when when <laughs> when you know the Tony Bennett's, you know, mad respect, but still Yeah, it it almost seems like like there there are there's some there's some original iterations of Christmas music. Like like the Garaldi soundtrack. But every every sort of layer on top of that kind of just reeks of consumerism. To Mm, me. Okay. It doesn't And, and, And when you're
0: saying these layers you're talking about Mariah Carey or something. Right. Right, um, yeah, yeah, because the layers i would I would encourage you to explore then would be I guess it's layers of more and more layers of jazz. There's some really interesting arrangements of Christmas music. A good example, I guess is the Brian Setzer orchestra. It's like a big band, but they do a lot of really stellar jazz arrangements of Christmas classics, um some of them are featured in the movie Elf, hmm. so you may recognize them from there, but his arrangement of the Nutcracker Suite is one of my favorite jazz Christmas things ever. It's it's just really really well written and hilarious and fun Brass ensembles dare I say are very good at arranging Christmas music. I know the Philharmonia Orchestra, one of the great orchestras in London, one of the five plus great <laughs> symphony orchestras in London. There's just so much music in that city. Um, they every year the Philharmonia Orchestra brass quintet, so that's yeah two trumpets, French horn, tuba, and trombone. They they play around London and do arrangements that they that they put together of christmas classics and there's they're all on youtube and one of them is um i think ding dong barely on high and they do like a really great arrangement of it and it kind of lends well to brass <music> German Brass, which is a really phenomenal brass ensemble in Germany. Surprisingly, <laughs> they have a few really great Christmas albums. Really, they do brass ensemble arrangements of some of Bach's Christmas music, like the Christmas Oratorio. Again, if we want to call it Christmas music, that we can, you know, have that. But they also do great arrangements of current, more 20th century Christmas classics. And uh, Matthias Hoffs, who's a trumpet player and the leader of that brass group, he did a really cool a oh yeah you would love it if you haven't seen it it's a really cool a a really cool piece he wrote called a spanish christmas and it's written for like trumpet guitar and a small orchestra Hmm. and the trumpet he has too can alternate between playing with a mute and playing without a mute so he can play a bit so it only with like a trigger on his thumb he can alternate between the two and it's completely original it's not based on any christmas Songs, but it's called Spanish Christmas, and you listen to it, you're like, Yeah, it does sound like a Spanish Christmas. <laughs> So there's all these kind of I I I guess it isn't quite the pop layer we were we were examining just before. But I still do think there are interesting layers to keep adding on to to the foundation that is Christmas music. Wherever that foundation is, you know, it's still hard to even tell because it's just that foundation came from somewhere else, as we were saying earlier. But there's still more that can be added and more that can be explored that's still new, interesting, and importantly, good.
1: Yeah, it is a case where well, but before I forget, let me let me just add to that. Yeah, yeah. Let me just add to that. I talked for um, a while there. Sorry. No, 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 it's all good. Um, yeah. Are you familiar with with Bella Flack, the um, the banjo player? I am not. No. Um, yeah, he's. You're always
0: introducing me to new string players I don't know about. Um, I guess
1: so. Um, yeah, no, he's he's really cool. Um, uh, he's 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 totally brilliant, and he has a a, um, a a band. He's he's one of these people who who does like bluegrass, but also plays a lot of. Um, classical Bach specifically. Um, okay. You know, we talked about on the source code episode about how people from all genres sort of flock to Bach, and and yeah. Bella Fleck is is one of them. But he, I think okay. he has a band mm-hmm. called called Bella and the Flecktones. Um and <laughs> I and it. they they have an, a Christmas album called Jingle All the Way, and and I really and I really <laughs> like that one. That's a similar thing where um, they do they do.
0: I mean, uh, that's also that's also an Arnold Schwarzenegger. movie. Is it really? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> oh my god. It's
0: it's a great Christmas classic. Uh, it's so good. The best part is that you know the, the character the just quick side note right the main character is like a dad that doesn't have enough time for a son it's christmas time right blah blah right. Blah, blah. but they pick probably the worst casting choice ever for <laughs> that role which is <laughs> <Just> arnold schwarzenegger which <laughs> just, just makes it so brilliant
1: that is hilarious <laughs> yeah i kind of want to watch that anyway no but yeah uh, um jingle all the way is is a, is a great is a great album um you know, it, it's it's similar to this thing where, where, you know, it's it's all these sort of Christmas classics, but um I think the arrangements are all really interesting and, and um I think that actually there, there, there's some Hanukkah tunes thrown in as well. Um but I was
0: I was waiting, okay, we're about, you know, an hour <laughs> and a half in before.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Finally.
0: Um Yeah. And then they go on this fiddler on the roof medley, you know. That?
1: You know that that would be a fun one. You know, is, is fiddler on the roof Christmas music. No, but um, I mean, Tevi would make a great Santa Claus. He would. He would. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. But no, I mean, so so I was gonna say, yeah. you know, going along with all that, it is it is a it is a sort of rich, um, it is a sort of rich shared. Culture that, that that people can draw upon. Um, yeah. In in that way, it's it, it's convenient, right? Like, pretty much every mm, every great artist in the jazz world will at some point sort of flock to the 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 sort of light of Christmas music, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, just by virtue of that, you're gonna have a few albums here or there that are you know truly capital G great albums because. You have some really interesting artists who, you know, this is this shared cultural context that everyone, everyone knows, everyone can sort of draw upon. So it makes sense that that is the that is the concession I will give you that that. um, Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. That that there's there's this, you know, rich well of of Christmas music upon which, you know, I mean, a lot of great artists have 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 drawn a lot from it. I mean, The Godfather is a Christmas
0: movie. It's also a family movie. It's It's the best family. Movie. Is, yeah. The ultimate family movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Noah, My, Michael, and um, Michael and Kay go Christmas shopping. For like ten <laughs> seconds in one scene. So. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, it's the easy place to go. Like you're guaranteed. You know, you know the whoever the X Christmas album is guaranteed to sell somewhat or get Y amount of plays on Spotify or Apple Music. Right. So. Right. Right. So it's a safe place. But every here and there there's some interesting innovation that, that happens. Um I'll point you again to the Brian Setzer Nutcracker Jazz arrangement. It's just every once in a while you hear an arrangement of the Nutcracker or something that that is really, really well done and a lot of fun. Um I'll um, I'll check that
1: out. I will say one thing I will say one thing that that um something like Handel's Messiah yeah. has gone for it. Okay. Is that is that the 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 text is drawn upon the the King James Bible? Yeah. Which yeah. Say say what you will about the Bible, the the King James version is is beautiful poetry. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is it is you know mandatory reading for English literature. If if you want to if you want to understand Shakespeare or Milton or or Joyce or anything going forward, you know the the King James Bible is actually a a, a truly important literary text. Right gotcha. and the fact that, that Handel's that. Messiah sort of draws from that is uh, is it's, it's a lot of points in its book in, in, its, in its side. Um, and I, yet, one more thing that sort of annoys me about about Christmas music. In the case of most sort of modern um, Christmas music, um, you know, they're they're not using text that's anywhere near the sort of grandeur of the King James Bible. It's it's mostly, hmm. you know, it's basically they're they're, they're Protestant texts and and they're sort of modern. And um, I, I don't I don't really get the sort of um, the grand, yeah, like the the, the the grandeur that you get from from something like the Messiah or the King James Bible of, oh, this is right, actually right. this important important thing. You know, it's it's not just this cute time that you spend time with family and give presents and you know enjoy hot cocoa while it's snowing outside and isn't this cozy and cute? You know, it's actually like the the Lord and the Savior is is is, is coming is coming. You know, like if you want me to care about <laughs> and it, and he has a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah plot twist the messiah is actually about bill gates yeah yeah. the the
0: great pearly gates is (laughs) something totally different yeah
1: Yeah, the pearly way is yeah (laughs) I'm not not sure what my larger point was with that but um, (laughs) I, 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 I I I guess I just think um I have a hard time, yeah, s- yeah.
0: Do you like the Messiah? I, do. I, I, I do too, actually. I really do. I, I listen to it. I mean, throughout the year. I mean, I, I mean, okay. I'm, I don't. not listen to it that much. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, All day, every day. Uh, it's not on my Spotify like rewind, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's one guy out there who probably is handles Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> right. He did a dissertation on it or something. Yeah, but. Anyway, um, uh, but no, it's it's a really remarkable piece of music. I think a lot of the music Handle wrote is really good. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it, for some, it might be a little tough to handle.
1: Oh, but come on. I
0: just, <laughs> I just had to. I just had
1: to. I
0: just had to. I'm sorry. Unbelievable, um, this guy. But yeah, so no, um, it's really good and um have Have you ever seen it live because i saw it live at the symphony a number of years ago here in san francisco it was it was it was phenomenal It was, it's really great
1: <laughs> I, yeah actually I, I have never seen it live
0: yeah with the chorus and everything yeah, yeah. it's um yeah it's yeah i know i'm a i'm a sucker for you know a well-done choral piece
1: <laughs> well well-done oratorio yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah Arguably the most Christmassy Christmas music because it is about it
1: is actually about the New Christmas. Testament. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's I doubt it's listened to that much around this time of year. I think so. You know, I think you'd I mean, be right. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's it. Maybe there was a time when it was very popular, but I I don't think it's it's super popular anymore. Yeah, right. There may right, have been right. a time maybe ten, twenty years ago where it was more popular around this time of year. But. Yeah. But I think, I think, you know, I, I don't know how, you know, now I'm just sort of sort of spitballing on sociology, but you're seeing more and more sort of cultural Christians pop up the way that we have cultural Jews. Um, I think if you ask most people now, you know, what is what does Christmas mean to you? They, they're going to say, you know, family, sweaters, presents. Very few of them will actually say, you know, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ,
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, a friend of mine was in Shanghai for work last Christmas, and apparently, there's Christmas trees everywhere. Dude, I was in Israel around Christmas time. <laughs> there are Christmas trees. <laughs> Every Square around Tel Aviv or Haifa had a beautiful giant Christmas tree.
1: That's that's pretty funny.
0: And they don't grow there, right? It's that's not the climate where you can grow these giant these giant mm-hmm. sapin trees and stuff. So. That'd be imported,
1: <laughs> but again, that goes back to what we were saying right at the very top of this about how Christmas is sort of fundamentally mongrel. You know, I mean, Christmas tree, Christmas trees don't grow in in Rome either.
2: Right, right, right. right. <laughs>
1: yeah, they it, it, don't
0: grow in the Holy Land. Don't grow in Rome. Yeah, they grow in Wisconsin. In your yeah, hood. I guess they yeah, do. Yeah. yeah, but but Christmas yeah. is
1: fundamentally pastiche.
0: I think that's why the Mormons settled on Utah. <laughs> 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 the trees are here <laughs> yeah um
1: that that is a phenomenal feat of reverse logic you know <laughs> jesus is american oh, Says who? Well, christmas trees grow in america do you <laughs> see them growing in israel i thought not
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um uh yeah anyways um yeah so yeah there's something to that yeah i mean what i was gonna ask you at one point was what music you listen to around christmas time of year or if i told you you had to listen to christmas music right? Hmm. anything even loosely connected to christmas i'm curious what what you'd start listening to
1: i mean probably probably what we what we a lot of what we talked about i mean knockcracker yeah the, the things that i think of are are certainly the sort of holy trinity of christmas music is um <laughs> is the Nutcracker Messiah and oh. and the and Bach's Christmas Oratorio. That's you know I, nice. I, maybe the same Matthew Passion as well. Um, it's not not supremely, you it's, know, Christmas. It's religious. Yeah, but you know, yeah. like but, yeah, you know sort, th- yeah. that's all music that I would listen to to other times of year as well. I don't know much that I listen to in the way of Christmas mm. music that is specifically Christmassy. Um, yeah, but. Um, I mean, there's always there's always um, uh, Tom Lehrer, um, the, the the wonderful Tom Lehrer. Um, I'm not familiar. Oh, you would love him. Um, I believe he was a he was a mathematics professor at Harvard, but also a musician and a songwriter um, who wrote some of the funniest um, and most brilliant songs, you know, ever. Christmas time
0: is here, by golly. Disapproval would be folly. Deck the halls with hunks of holly. Fill the cup and don't say when. Kill the turkeys, ducks, and chickens. Mix the punch, drag out the dickens. Even though the prospect
1: sickens, brother, here we go again.
0: On Christmas
1: Day, you can't get
0: sore. Your fellow man, you must adore. There's time to rob him all the more. The other three hundred and a six, a tea, a four.
1: Um, you would totally love him. I'll send you some. I'll send you some songs. But he has a song called "Um, a, a Christmas Carol." Um, and it's sort okay. of it's sort of lamp. I
0: take it it's not. <laughs> <laughs> hmm? It's not. It's not the. Is it? It's not the Charles Dickens, no, you know, no it's, it's uh, yeah referenced. it's a sort of parody no,
1: okay. it's it's a sort of parody of of um of Christmas time and um, these sort of what I would call sort of unashamed consumerism um, okay. that, that's hiding underneath a sort of um, vaguely spiritual veneer uh, that's that's around Christmas time um, he sort of lampoons that. I I always probably listen to that a couple times around around this time of year, just to sort of just to sort of re up my cynicism about the whole ordeal. Um, Along the same veins, um, Eric Idle's "Fuck Christmas" also comes to mind. I I, I tweeted this (laughs) at you last night. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean he's a genius. Total genius. Yeah, (laughs)
1: Um, you know that's something that would certainly drive up the the ITL blue counter. Fuck Christmas. It's
2: a waste of fucking time. Fuck Santa. He's just
1: out to get your dime. Fuck Holly and fuck Ivy and fuck all that
2: mistletoe. Stupid fucking Christmas songs everywhere you go.
0: This is the same man of Monty Python fame. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, right. Game. Yeah, he, he's a he's a sort of resident musician of Monty Python. He also wrote um, the right, sort right. of the the Philosopher's Song and um, the Galaxy Song. Yeah, some of the the the, the Lumberjack yeah. Song, some of the classics. <laughs> um, but but yeah, yeah,
0: no, he's brilliant. I mean, I mean, yeah.
1: Well, what you said, I think
0: it's an <laughs> interesting way to put it. The Holy Trinity of classical yeah. Christmas music is the Nutcracker, the Messiah. So yeah. Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker, Handel's Messiah
1: and Bach's Christmas Oratorio. Right. And to to just right. to, not to put too fine a point on it, but um the the father is obviously Bach's Christmas Oratorio and and the son is um Handel's Messiah and the holy the holy spirit must be the Nutcracker.
0: Ah. I see. Yeah. I see. That's my kind of religion, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. And and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's I wonder, like, what about looking at Christmas music? It just just exposes society and just exposes art. Like, it's a useful lens to look at to see how an art develops. If you look at pop music, where does pop music come from? Pop music didn't just come from anywhere. It came from classics that came from other classics that reference this and that, and people came and built upon those and christmas music is like a specific lens to like explore that right we have we have this (laughs) the old testament that we just described of of classical christmas music then i would argue now the new testament is the music of the 30s and 40s where a lot of the jazz christmas music came from yeah the Bing crosby's the the um nat king cole christmas christmas standards and to these together you know are like the foundational text for which now all christmas music kind of references back to a bit of this or that or mix that and that
1: <laughs> love it I, I know we we sort of stumbled upon this tongue-in-cheek but i actually think that's a really useful frame you know i, I was just going to say to 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 go back i mean um i think i think i said i think I, I mentioned the the holy trinity in response to your question about um about what do you listen to around Christmas time? So, so yeah, I mean, I'll throw that right back at you. What about you? Is it basically the new Testament? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's,
0: it's funny. Um, be, before I, I answer that, I just want to say, it's just, I do, just I just love having this old Testament, new Testament analogy for, which is oddly fitting for the subject being Christmas music. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so yeah, throw it back at me. Yeah, so I, I do listen to the Old Testament. I do listen to uh the the, the Nutcracker and um um then I take out the New Testament. Yeah, I so I, I do love the Nutcracker. I was I went on an epic evening walk a few nights ago and listened to the Nutcracker all the way through. And that's when I remembered if you ever played through the Nutcracker, so much of the Nutcracker is so hard, the music itself. But especially the second half of Act One from when Clara falls asleep and all the way to when the curtain comes down to end act one I mean the orchestra is just panting and just out of breath by that
1: point and the ending of it act just, two as well by the way um, you know when all yeah Like the the, code, the coda and the apotheosis are really fiendishly difficult, especially on flute piccolo. You know that that gets really nasty. Oh, um,
0: there there is that piccolo part, the the ascending. Um, I think yep. so. That yeah,
1: when the yeah. when the piccolo takes up the, um, I think it's the. Da 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 oh yeah,
2: da that's right.
1: Da, right at the very end, and by that time you're shot. You know, especially at the end of the month. Yeah. You know, you've you've done this. You know, twenty four times, and it's yeah, yeah. and and it's. Fiendishly out of tune and um, is, and exposed. The aspect of, of working as hard as you do at the end of Act One and Act Two, when when really the crazy difficult parts are happening, when pretty much most people are checked out, like most people are ready for intermission slash, you know, the actual sort of. Um, bravado of the nutcracker has already passed and everything is settling in and people are ready um they're already thinking about what they're going to buy at the gift shop you know on the way out (laughs) um and where they're going to go get ice cream afterwards and stuff like that and yet you know the musicians are still slaving away in the pit that that's when the hardest part strikes (laughs) (laughs)
0: piglo is like the crash symbols right it's just if you mess up everyone knows (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. yeah. Uh, um yeah so no so i've listened so i do love the the nutcracker um yes but dude again i mentioned it before but that several minute long build up crescendo and just growth from that when the tree starts growing to right. when the nutcracker dolls actually arrive and stuff mm-hmm. that is such a epic beautiful piece of music yeah that's just really powerful and really cool yeah. So yeah, the other stuff I listen to, I do, dude. I love um, so all the all the jazz Christmas. So I do love Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, Vince Guaraldi soundtracks, fantastic. I love Nat King Cole's Christmas album uh, with like the standard Christmas scene. I mean, I I just I'm a big Nat King Cole, a big Nat King Cole fan in general. Um, he yeah, his silky smooth voice. <laughs>
2: Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose.
0: He set the playbook up for Sinatra, and Sinatra openly acknowledged that. Hmm. He, when Sinatra was starting out, he was tr- trying to mimic Nat King Cole. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, he wasn't trying to mimic Louie. <laughs> 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 no, that way lies madness. <laughs> No, so even um, Sinatra. So it was even the same arranger. I, I can't recall his name, but the guy that arranged a lot of the classics for Nat King Cole was the same guy that then did it for Sinatra. in In, oh, really? in, in Hollywood, yeah, yeah. Dude, do, do you happen to know and his name? Gordon Jenkins. Gordon Jenkins. Yeah, dude. Honestly, like that's the gig right there. Like you're, you write music, you become really rich because you're really good at it. <laughs> And you're completely anonymous in society. Like, you don't have to deal with, like, the fame part.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, you, you don't want to be rich and famous. You want to be, um, be rich and anonymous.
0: Yeah, like, there was this interesting, it was a uh, thing I was watching on the internet. It was, uh, the, it was the guy, I can't remember his name, which is exactly the point. <laughs> but he was the guy that wrote most of Britney Spears' music. Like baby, one more time. And oh, I really? I mean, he's he has like the fucking hugest mansion in Beverly Hills, and <laughs> no one knows who he is. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah, and he had, and he didn't have any of the trappings that uh, Britney had. Exactly, exactly. Ah, uh, damn. But no, anyway.
0: So, um, yeah. So, Neck and Cole, yeah. So the arranger, the arranger was Gordon Jenkins. So he arranged a lot of the Cole classics, like Stardust for example, which Stardust is a good song, I think, um, written by Hoagie Carmichael, who went to our alma mater, Indiana University. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so so Star, Stardust is a great song, I think. It's, it's a beautiful song, but the Nat King Cole arrangement just, I think, takes it to a whole other level. It's just the orchestration behind it, the, the melody, the rhythm is played with a bit more. And, and now when people sing Stardust, like at a karaoke bar or something, it's the Nat King Cole arrangement. Or the Gordon Jenkins arrangement that was sung by Nat King Cole. Now,
2: my consolation is in the stardust of a song beside the garden wall. When stars are bright, you are in my eyes the nightingale. Tells his fairy tale.
0: Anyways, that's a long way of saying. Um, uh, I love Knacking Cole's Christmas stuff, everything he did and sang. He was really great. And we said this earlier, also died too young. He was 45, I believe. Um, hmm. Just died only a few months after recording probably his most famous song, Love, or L-O-V-E, if you read it the way it's written in the title.
2: l it's for the way you look at me Oh, it's for the only one i see
0: the- yeah um yeah so i listen to that king cool um i love but yeah i love all the classic christmas dean martin i love the frank sinatra stuff ella fitzgerald has so many great christmas things she recorded. I also love um, the orchestral stuff that's not in the Old Testament. That's not the old, old Trinity. So like the Boston Pops Christmas concerts and stuff where they play Sleigh Ride. orchestral arrangements of the jazz pop songs like white christmas stuff i think some of those are really cool and really charming actually Hmm. and the home alone soundtrack i I do think it's not christmas if you haven't listened to the home alone soundtrack yeah yeah
1: i i haven't seen that Um, movie in so long it holds
0: up in the same way it was successful in the first place. Not because it's the greatest movie
1: ever, <laughs> but because it's just <laughs> it's just endlessly charming. Right, right. Well, I think we've mentioned before uh, Glenn Gould's immortal phrase. Uh, it has charm out of all proportion to its craft. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you have Joe Pesci in it. Come
0: on. <laughs> you know, from Goodfellas. Also in The Irishman. He killed it in The Irishman. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um which came out around the holidays last year. Is the Irishman uh, a
1: Christmas movie? <laughs> um,
0: uh, there, I think there's some Christmas scenes in it. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, it's th- over three hours long. It's about the mafia, a bunch of Italians and Irish people. It has to be Christmas. There's, yeah, <laughs> there has to be
1: Christmas. <laughs> are, you, are you familiar with, um, with, with Joni Mitchell's song, uh, R- I think it's called River? No, I don't know that. Um, I'll, River. I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, It's, it's not really a Christmas song. It's kind of a Christmas song. It it starts with okay. It starts with um a little riff that that sounds like jingle bells.
2: Um, oh really? But, but oh, really? It, on
1: the piano. But it, it quickly transforms oh, yeah. into it transforms into the actual melody of the song. Um it, I think it's Oh, nice. Um it it starts it starts with some line like um like it's it's coming on Christmas. They they're cutting down trees, they're putting up reindeer. Um, and singing songs of joy and peace. Um, oh, I wish I had a river I could skate away on. I think is how it goes. So it it, it is oh, it is ostensibly it is ostensibly about Christmas again, in in, in that it takes place around Christmas time. Um, so so the gotcha, opening riff gotcha. is a sort of piano jingle bells, but but it turns after a couple of repetitions into the actual melody of the of the song.
2: Wouldn't I reindeer and singing songs of joy and peace. Oh I wish I had a river. I could skate away on it
1: and, and it's it's a it's a beautiful song in and of itself. It's it's from it's from Blue, her album.
0: Um Okay, gotcha. So that's, some, that's something that's something I would be totally into. Yeah.
1: Um I'm just trying yeah, to think of think other you're... sort of um other vaguely Christmassy songs that are listened to around this time of year what is that oh. Paul McCartney drunk on a synthesizer <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean no I don't get me wrong I, I am a huge Paul McCartney fan I mean Paul McCartney is one of the finest artists in history I think but with that song, I mean, it, even Michelangelo probably had his f*** ups, right? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I, I just want, I wish I could be in the recording studio with Paul McCartney when he's like editing that song. And what he was like, well, you know, if you have a bit more bounce to it, you know, if it's a bit more like subtle like that, you're going to notice.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's basically that except sounding a little bit, sounding and looking a little bit more like everybody's aunt. <laughs> um, but, hey John. <laughs> yes, Paul. Yes. <laughs> um th- th- that's definitely from the the phase of his life when um when you wish he had people who were who were more open to being critical of him. You know.
0: Hmm. sure. That, that's one thing when you wish thing, he had a George Martin, right? Yes, yeah. Or even a John right. Lennon, you know.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, you know, true. one thing the Beatles had going for them until until they didn't. Is that they're all headstrong. Yeah. So if one of them was fucking up or doing something stupid, um, they, he would get called on. You know, like Paul could never pull that yeah. in the studio without George Martin <laughs> and John Lennon jumping down his ass.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I guess to, you know, kind of like start to wrap things up. I mean, um, when John Williams, when he was looking at the Nutcracker for inspiration for Home Alone. It's so funny, the standard, Somewhere In My Memory, It's if you play it back to back, as I think uh, someone did on YouTube, I think John Sargent is his name. He has a brilliant YouTube channel of him doing like, awesome piano arrangements of film scores. If you listen to that Somewhere In My Memory melody. And then the dance of the reeds. You overlay them on top of each other; they create a perfect melody and counter melody. I had like a holy, a holy fuck moment when I heard that for the first time. I was like, "That is genius!" And there's some evidence to, as has been said before, there's. Some evidence to say that is how John Williams constructs some of his melodies.
1: Um, By writing sort of counter-melodies to...
0: Yeah, or even like like
1: the evolution of a
0: melody will be like a counter-melody to a melody he wrote. Like mm. in, in the first Star Wars, now the second Star Wars, it's it's he writes a counter-melody to that and uses that as kind of the leitmotif, if we shall. So...
1: That is really interesting. I have to, I have to watch this video. We'll, we'll put, we'll put this. I'll up have to send you it. Yeah, and, and it'll yeah. be in the show notes. Needless to say, at this
0: point. Well done, John Williams. Like that's, that's pretty nifty. That is pretty nifty.
1: That's stealing. You know, th- that's stealing in a way that no one knows you're stealing.
0: Yeah, yeah. That is that's the ultimate stealing. It's like hacking, right? Right, right. It's yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. That is that's pretty good. That's pretty good, be, yeah. because the the other. The other John Williams track we were talking about that sounds like the Nutcracker is the when they're rushing for the holiday flight to get to the airport. That just that just sounds like the Russian dance from the Nutcracker. So
1: the Russian dance. Sorry, it's my turn to make a horrible pun. <laughs> oh wow!
0: Oh, jeez. Yeah. Now we're even. Maybe that's why John Williams chose it. Wow. Yeah,
1: maybe. <laughs> you know,
0: John Williams. I didn't think it was possible. He may be even greater than we think. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's maybe six people in history who have gotten that joke but <laughs> yeah it's like yeah they're rushing to the airport that's why he yeah. chose the russian dance
1: yeah yeah oh my god my mind is, has been blown like tenfold there you go like, like like i said at the top of this program that's what we do here yeah right oh my goodness that is
0: damn okay wow i'm gonna have to recover from that i need a drink like this is <laughs> yeah get some get some christmas gin. But anyways, yeah, if I want to kind of wrap things up, I mean... Yeah. What do you think listeners should go listen to that they probably haven't already?
1: So we're assuming that people have heard the entire Nutcracker?
0: Well, that's the place to start, maybe. Yeah. I, I challenge people, listen to Act 1 of the Nutcracker. Yeah. Because you can go back and listen, or you can listen to the whole thing. But listen to Act 1. Because yeah. Act 1... In its entirety. Even people like... Yeah, in its entirety. It will link to some great recordings that there are. Um, But... It's funny most people I talk to that I've gone to The Nutcracker for the first time in a while that's often one of their comments they say like wow I forgot how much music was in act 1 that I didn't know. Yeah. You know, and it's really good some of the best music uh Russia's ever given us. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> so and that's saying something. So yeah I would say I would say just a sort of quick short list um it really is just a sort of highlights of what we've already talked about but I would say listen to the first act of Nutcracker um Listen to the entire Messiah, and not just the sort of Hallelujah chorus. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Christmas Oratorio by Bach. Um, yeah. And um, Bella Fleck's Bella Fleck and the Fleck Tones is Jingle All the Way. And while you're at it, I guess go, watch the Schwarzenegger movie? Jingle All the Way? I, I want to watch that in my studio. Dude. Dude, I hope he made a lot of money. <laughs> I'm sorry,
0: Jamie, I wasn't there to see your performance. How can I make it up to you? <laughs>
1: yeah, oh, I thought of something. I, okay, here, I'll, I'll tell you Let's when you look it up. Hmm. This might be something that um, I will mention what it is and then I'll find the actual thing because it's fairly obscure. I'll find it and I'll send it to you and then we'll put it in the show notes. Okay, um, for real. So there's, there is, I, I don't know what it's called, but there's a a piece, a song whatever. Um that is basically um it's this sort of russian chorus. Um and this entire track is is a is a this entire piece is a chant. Um and it's in russian. This this guy who is like a bass baritone with the sort of most cavernous deep voice you'll, you've ever heard and he is really Real. just chanting. He's just listing off um in a sort of chant-like manner. The names of all the saints in Russian.
2: Um, you know,
1: this again. This goes back to the sort of the the you know. True Christmas music with the with the grandeur of of the Messiah, <laughs> um, you right? Know, this is one oh, of those sort of trance-like experiences. I don't know I, it. The reason I know of it is because it's used in Encounters at the End of the World, um, which is a which is a movie by Werner Herzog about um, Antarctica. But um, interesting. But we'll I'll find it. And I'll send it to you. I think you would love it. And um, okay, I'm so down. It's not I'm so down. Christmas music per se, but it is. It is um music about the Christian saints and it is a chant and I think it fits, you know. Yeah, okay, interesting. I'll check that out. Um what about you? I think
0: people should go listen to the Nutcracker in its entirety, but maybe just the first act if we only got time for that. Again a lot of it even when I go listen to the Nutcracker in its entirety, sometimes I even forget some of the music that's in act one. I'm like oh yeah, this is the that transition scene and stuff. That's really
1: nice. But I never forget it because it makes up my nightmares. But <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: you, you played it a lot more than I have. So <laughs> then I go listen to a few, in particular, jazz arrangements of the Nutcracker. So the Brian Setzer Orchestra, which that was a few decades ago, he did a great arrangement of the Nutcracker. Yeah, and then also Duke Ellington's arrangement of the Nutcracker is really marvelous. And him and his orchestra back in the days, so I think he did it. He must have arranged it with Billy Strayhorn, who was one of his great compositional collaborators. But it's a, it's a really awesome, jazzy, swing Nutcracker, so that's great. And then, um, while you're at it, why not? The Nat King Cole Christmas album. Just because I mentioned it a few times, that any of Nat King Cole's Christmas stuff. And also, of course, no Christmas is complete, sweeter without Bing Crosby's... Oh, no, sorry. No, 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 no. Irving Berlin's White Christmas. <laughs> Bing Crosby sang it, but it was written by... Great American Jewish composer, Irving Berlin. <laughs>
2: I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know
1: Indeed, indeed. Do, do you happen to know when that was written? Or any, small uh, It like, was in the... It was in the 40s, I
0: okay. believe, because it's about World War II. Okay.
1: Um, I, was, I was wondering if it was in yeah. the 40s or the 50s.
0: I believe, believe it was the 40s. And, yeah, fun fact, I mean, it is the best-selling song in the history of written and recorded music, even to today. Really?
1: Oh, interesting. Cool.
0: Yeah. 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 Irving, Irving Berlin. Yeah. Marvelous composer. Um, who lived? He lived to be over 100, too. Um, at Irving Berlin. I had no idea. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. he He lived a mighty long life. Yeah, and... I don't, this might be the last time we record this year shooter i mean this is i guess so yeah you're probably right yeah i mean i'm probably not going anywhere but like, yeah me neither um but you know well, i
1: think we can take some time to just enjoy the uh you know christmas spirit or whatever people do around this time um, <laughs> um you know instead of recording podcasts this will be our last episode of 2020
0: Boy, what a year it's been! <laughs> well, I mean, we started a podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. The, the biggest event
1: of this year. <laughs> I guess so. Um, any any sort of uh, thoughts closing out the year? I mean, who would have thought, right? We just we were catching
0: up when the pandemic was starting, right? And everyone was kind of reaching out to friends that don't live with them or like in the same city. Everyone was kind of like re- reaching out to friends that live in different time zones, and that's when we kind of got started about the idea of turning the mic on for one of our many conversations and making a podcast out of it. And here we are all these episodes later.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously it's really fun to, to just chat and put together a podcast, but it's also, you know, when you're in classical music, you don't, you don't have too many opportunities to do things that are, that are truly unique. The, the sort of the, the, the realm that you're playing in is you can do things that are unique within the sort of iterative, um arena that that cla- that the interpretation of classical music is you know and mm-hmm. g- even jazz to some extent is kind of like that sure um but you know it's been fun to to make something that is that is actually just you know one hundred percent creative and i don't mean creative in the sort of artsy mm. you know artsy fartsy like oh we're so creative, I mean literally creative as in we're creating it we're not iterating on anything we're just sort of we're just talking and putting this out there, so um you know, it's not that's not something that you get to do super often as a as a musician if you're not like a songwriter or something. You know? Yeah, yeah, right, right. To make something out of nothing. Right, especially. right, right. That's hard. Yeah. So
0: no, so that's been fun, and it's um, no, it's been tough for the musical bone inside of me, right? As I'm sure in you. I mean, it's just it's, yeah. There's not much playing going on these days for understand understandable reasons. Right. You know, we can't go out and play around. So. I mean, yeah, that's easily the thing I miss most from the pre pandemic days is just playing concerts, going to concerts, being part of performances and things. But this hasn't been too bad. <laughs> no, it really hasn't. And you know, it's I think
1: just... we'll make up for it tenfold, I think. I think when things go back to normal I think we'll find ourselves in a sort of uh roaring twenties situation and um you know, sit tight and um be ready to be ready to um Go crazy when things open up again.
0: The roaring 20s will begin just a year, year and a half later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's always fun to talk about music. And it's one, one of those things, too, where I think music lends itself to this sort of medium, I think, better than people think. Like... I always thought music lends itself to academia better than a lot of people might think. Mm-hmm. It is, of course, one of the original academic subjects, along with Latin and philosophy.
1: Right. It was literally. I mean, there was it was included in in the sort of in the quadrivium. Right. I don't know if I could list them all right now, but there was a trivium, which is sort of the basics of what everyone ought to know, which is things like arithmetic. Um, I don't remember what the other ones were. Maybe logic is one of them. Um, but then on top of that, there was the, the quadrivium, which is still um, the realm of the academic, but it is a sort of higher arts, you know. And there you would get um, something like philosophy as opposed to logic, you know, and hmm. music as opposed to arithmetic. It's a sort of the, ah. the interpretation of something. It's not just math. It's, it's, it's artistic math. It's not just logic. It's artistic logic. You know, that's what philosophy is um so yeah yeah it lends, uh, it lends itself to academia better than people think
0: no um absolutely absolutely and yeah so i mean and it's easy for us to put a time frame when anyone asks how long we've been doing the podcast it's just when the pandemic started yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah. <laughs> that's, that's and true. everyone like totally gets it like okay yeah all right <laughs> we can all relate yeah so for the holidays, we will be putting together a uh, we will be putting together an impolite to listen holiday playlist oh, yeah. with a lot of the music we mentioned. Yeah, hell yeah, right? It's I gonna mean, be epic. Yeah, and yeah, and of course we hope everyone has a a great, safe, responsible <laughs> Christmas and holiday and Happy New Year, all that stuff. I think the Christmas gift we're all really hoping for is a vaccine. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, um, that's the ultimate stocking stuffer <laughs> like thanks yeah. mom and dad a Pfizer vaccine
1: what a hilarious thanks spot. Santa
0: Johnny it's not mom and dad yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah yeah but yeah I mean but, you know we, we certainly hope everyone enjoys their their time um, living in the in the one party state of, of Christmas land uh, <laughs> enjoy your your state sponsored colors and your state sponsored music and your state sponsored merriness um, you know go 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 watch the um the grinch and, and this time try to put yourself in the mindset of someone who's just trying to live their goddamn life <laughs> gets it all taken away from him <laughs> It's forced to conform it's, bla- it's basically the clockwork orange is what i'm trying to say
0: <laughs> yeah no but okay well uh, <laughs> i'm sure the listeners will love that one yeah yeah um
1: and remember to invite me to your next christmas party <laughs> yeah it's not drunk uncle it's better it's drunk shooter <laughs> ah, sounds good alright well just uh you know the, the the way to do this right now is to just just chill out stay put things are just gonna start getting better soon just you know just hang hang tight you know we, we're, we made it to the one yard line don't fumble it here just just relax <laughs>
0: Yeah, just sit back with a glass of wine, watch some Christmas classics, and enjoy yourself.
1: Yeah. You're going to call it there? A Merry Christmas, reader. Merry Christmas, indeed.